What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Laugh. Oh, he did it. Yo. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Now you got me nervous. Oh, you froze up. Oh, God. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me, dog. I already had the, I had the Ethernet cord plugged in. Don't do that to me, dog. Last week was... was I was like, I had my head, so I was sulking after last week's pod. I couldn't even share it on the IG story because I was like, it wasn't my strongest effort internet connection was. Yeah, I noticed you didn't do that. Uh, Mark Gundles, how you feeling, man? Last minute Christmas shopping. This is the last minute. There is no more. There is no more time to go. Like you gotta, you got everybody taken care of. Everybody good to go. Yeah, actually, I got a couple more things to get, but I'll be good after that. How you leaving for the airport now and still you you gonna pick up some extra gifts in like the the little kiosk the duty no, free I'm, shop? I'm gonna get some stuff in Kansas City when I get there. <laughs> Somebody go get like a keychain, like an LA keychain. I can't take everything on the airplane, man. You know, so. <laughs> I'm gonna just do a couple things on the way out. That's what's up, man. It's gonna be good to have you back in my city. We were talking in our in our in our pre-show <laughs> meeting about possibly doing a, a pod, a live pod in person next week. Uh, it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be nice, man. Good good yeah. to have you back in KC. I'm gonna pull up on you, man. We're gonna pull up and do a live at your crib. I'm gonna pull up on you. <laughs> Bart Gunnels is out in LA. Aaron Ladd is here in Kansas City. Steven Serta, he's trying to get everybody's internet connection together. I'm not saying it's me. I think it's Gunnels. Who cares? It's Chiefs Coast to Coast episode 37 here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll recap a close one in Houston, uh, a lot closer than many people had imagined. Well, we'll check in on the overtime thriller down there. We'll talk about Kansas City claiming the AFC West for seventh consecutive season, what that means for their chase of a Lombardi of a Lombardi trophy this year. And then we'll preview what's going to be a frigid matchup on Christmas Eve at Arrowhead Stadium. Chiefs, Seahawks. We'll get to Mark's picks from Vegas. He had a better week, man. You, I figured you would have came in smiling. You had a you had a better week, man. You know, you gotta keep it, you gotta keep it level-headed, man. I can't get too high, I can't get too low. So I'm just staying the course, man. Just keep grinding. This was an eventful week in Chiefs Kingdom. I mean, you're Mr. Spaces, so I, I want to touch on that before we get into the, the to the business at hand. Over a thousand people in a gunnel space. I mean, yeah, go ahead. T- tell us what the occasion was. You know, t- tell people why they should be following you on Twitter and tapped in with the Spaces community. Well, I mean, we host weekly Chief Spaces periodically throughout the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, typically. And I might do a pregame one the day of the game, but this was a special occasion, obviously. With the <laughs> uh, Chiefaholic, obviously, I mean, everybody knows the story now. Getting arrested for robbing a bank in Oklahoma. Allegedly. Gotta say allegedly. Innocent until proven yeah. guilty, yes. Allegedly. But uh, 
Yeah, man, crazy story. I mean, you know, people have always kind of wondered how he has so much money. I mean, the guys at every single game, I'm not sure you've seen him in person several times. I mean, he's there at every game, every road game, front row seats, front and center. I mean, I, I was wondering, what does he do for a living? I, I figured the guy was like some type of business owner or something of that sort, you know. because He I've moves seen- in private, dog. He moves in private. But, uh, yeah, man, I guess the cat's out the bag now. The guy robs banks on the way to games. I actually, like, I didn't know Buddy, but, I mean, we were both in the Chiefs Twitter community, I guess, so we traded DMs a couple of times. He was actually on my flight back from L.A. this most recent time, and we traded DMs most recently then. But I said this on the spaces that night, and I'll say it again here for our audience on Coast to Coast. We don't know these people, man. You know, it's a lot of just obvies and avatars and that kind of thing. I mean, it's cool. I think it's funny. You know, this I've been newly ingratiated in the Chiefs kingdom. And to have the X Factor situation happen the way it did with Red Extreme and that whole drama. And now to have this happen on top of that, it just, it's never a dull day in the kingdom, my guy. Yeah, man. Uh, when you saw him at the airport, was he in the wolf uh, costume at that time? <laughs> He was not in the wolf costume. I always think, man, like on a hot day, like I get it. Like, right, you know, it's going to be 10 degrees at the game in Seattle, whatever, get the Seattle game. But like on a hot day, it, it was a couple of days at Arrowhead where I had to loosen up the tie. I know in that wolf costume, it's, it's a little sweaty, man. It can't be comfortable. How, how do you think he maintains that? Like, does he walk, take it to the cleaners? Like, <laughs> I, 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 he has to wash that thing, right? Never a dull day in Chiefs Kingdom. I also cut up with McCole Harmon, man. He he had like a little middle school. He he visited a little adaptive PE class here in KC, uh, North Kansas City, and uh was real live, man. Came right up to me. What's up, lad? Had a lot of good things to say. I was waiting for him to drop your name. I was waiting for him to say, Where where's Mark? Where's Mark at? You know, where's Mark? Hey man, everybody doesn't have to attach me with you, you know. It doesn't you know, I know you say it happens all the time, but everybody doesn't have to be like, Oh, where's Mark at? I just know that's your guy. I I know y'all go way back. I know y'all go back like six flats. You know, y'all always in the six. Speaking of spaces. You and him him should really be the ones that go back because you're both from Georgia. That's you and him go back. They probably went to the same high school, same elementary school. Yeah, both Georgia boys. I'm just saying. I claim the University of Missouri. I still owe them thousands of dollars, man. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. Appreciate the patience. We're going to get this worked out. And and this is why I was texting you the other day. I kind of missed the spaces a little bit, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of, you know, you never know what you got until it's, you never know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> That's funny, man, because you guys give me a hard time for being in, in space. Now you miss space. That's crazy how the tables turn, man. It's crazy how that happens. Oh, we like making y'all part of the show when we can. 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line. Got a lot of good voicemails, but this one stood out. We like attach we like attaching players with our episode numbers, and we've been doing that. It's gotten us in some hot water in the past, but this one was cool, man. It uh let's let me let me pull my man's name up. It's Josh from Idaho chiming in with us. He wanted to let us know that he's uh listening, he's got an idea for episode thirty-seven. No question, but Josh from Idaho, and I wanted to help you guys out with number 37, which is Joe Delaney. Pretty unique story. He was only around for two years before he passed away, saving three 
uh, boys from drowning. So, uh, yeah, number 37 in the books. Uh, until next time, bye. Hey, appreciate Josh chiming in. We got, that way we know our history, man. We don't mess anything up. Appreciate the voicemails, man, and, and, and keep them coming. I love it, man. I love when you guys are participating with us. We haven't got that many voicemails lately, so it's good to see us get a couple here and there. Make sure you guys keep bringing them in because we love to hear from you guys. Let's get into the game recap. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. Second week in a row, we come in here talking about a game that was closer than we thought it was going to be going into it, and that's exactly what this one was. Chiefs beat the Texans 30-24 to in overtime, and I tweeted this in the instant reaction. I mean, Patrick Mahomes off the, off the helm of his or off the heels of his three-interception game, absolutely brilliant. 36 for 51, 369 total yards, uh, two passing touchdowns and the rushing touchdown. Jarek McKinnon continues his hot streak. McKinnon had a breakout, man. Eight touches, eight, 18 touches, 122 total yards, continues his hot play, had two touchdowns. KC had 502 total yards of offense. Let me toss it to you before we start Before we start uh, jittering again. Why, why was this game so close in your opinion? Uh, I think it's pretty simple. I mean, you have over 100 yards and penalties. You keep teams in the game. You extend drives that should have been dead and forced punts. And you get frustrated, right, especially your DBs when they're grabbing, getting these PIs and holding penalties. It's discouraging, especially on third down when you had the guys stop and now they extend their drive and results in points. I mean, it's just too many penalties, too many yards given up. Some of those calls were definitely very, very questionable, to say the least. But, uh, you know, the corners can't get too grabby, man. I think that was a big part of it. The offense was fluid. Now, there were some times where drives stalled out and they were forced to try to attempt the field goal. Obviously, Harrison Bucker missed the game winning field goal at the end of regulation. Mr. Extra Point. Uh, just little things, man. I really just think it's, it's turnovers, though, too, as well, Because right? Because you had Pacheco fumble the ball deep in your own territory. So you basically just gave them seven points on that possession right there. So, you know, the combination of just penalties, turnovers, and just self-inflicting wounds, there's really nothing I thought that Houston did that I can point to and say they just completely outclassed the Chiefs in this particular area. I just think it was just the little things that added up. I want to hone in on Harrison Butker because there's been a lot of chatter on social media back and forth about the entire kicking operation from snapper to holder to kicker. Harrison Butker missed a 51-yarder at the end of regulation, and uh, Dustin Colquitt obviously had some things to say. Let's get to what Andy Reid had to say about Harrison Butker this week in kind of the aftermath of, of the two key misses in Houston and looking forward to Seattle. I, mean, I know what's what's been said out there. I mean, you know, but we, we look at everything, and uh, um, and so uh, I'm not going to get into it. But I mean, I you know, we, we there was nothing that gets by us. Uh, we we look at everything, and and we just we got to get through this. And uh, um, you know, they all take responsibility <laughs> between the three of them. And, um, but we'll, we'll get it we'll get it worked out. Uh, Dustin Colquitt, I'm reading one of his tweets. He's an exceptional punter. If you look back at the holds on the extra point, the hashtag laces are facing the sideline. And on the misty, missed 50-yarder, he pulled the ball to him at the last second and forced the ball to go right. He's been missing the spot all year. Uh, I think it's ironic considering Townsend got AFC player, the offense, or special teams player of the week, considering kind of the, the, the spotlight and the microscope that he's been under. But special teams has been an issue for a while. And we've been kind of spot- – 
sounding the alarm for weeks on our platform. We've been saying, hey, want to see two two clean games in a row from Harrison Bucker. His role is important. He's like a he's like a batter or he's like a golfer. You know, you got to keep his mind and you got to keep his mental in it. Uh, but realistically, I mean, Mark, we got three games left in the regular season. This is just who they are. These are no longer abnormalities. I think CDOT kind of touched on that on Twitter as it was going on as well. Kansas City's special teams unit is inconsistent. That's just who they are, whether if you want to blame it on the young players, whether you want to blame it on Tommy Townsend for his holds, or if you want to blame it on Harrison Butker still not being 100% from his ankle. Whatever it is, it could be a gumbo mix of all of those things. This is this is going to be a, a, a an issue that continues to plague Kansas City. You just hope that it doesn't rear its ugly head at the wrong time in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you just hope that they were saving the best for the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like what Justin Reed said last week about the defense getting turnovers. So, you know, you just got to hope that those guys get on the hot streak here towards the end of the season, three games left, and then obviously the playoff push because you would hate to see their season end on like a missed field goal or missed extra points because every point, especially in the playoffs, man, is one and done. It's so valuable. Like you can get away with that against the Broncos, against the Texans, teams of that nature, but not against the Bills, the Bengals, teams like that, man, where they're going to keep putting the pressure on you. And they have elite quarterback play in Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, where you're going to have to get every single point you can get because every possession is so valuable, especially when you're going against a team that is capable of having long sustained drives that keeps Mahomes off the field and limits your possessions. Because you probably only get seven or eight of those a game, man. So Every single one is important. Hopefully they can get that squared away. It's obviously been out there, uh, out in the media now. So hopefully that adds extra pressure on them in practice and throughout the week to really hone in and really get this fixed, man, because it's a problem. It's a problem. Butker, 28 of 31 on the year on, on extra point attempts and then 16 of 21 on the field goals. We know he missed uh, 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 quite a bit of time with the ankle injury. I think it's funny, man, because with Kansas City, you rarely see you rarely see social media spice in general. I mean, we've been seeing a little bit more of it here. Uh, but for Tommy Townsend, who is one of the I mean, like, the dude does not say anything ever, rarely says anything. <clears throat> I remember him being asked about some of the issues he had in the Super Bowl. And really, nobody for Kansas City played their best game that day. But of course, he had a whole year to marinate on it, but gave a good response there, thoughtful response. I thought for him to chime back on social media, it, it told me a few things. You know, a hit dog hollers is something that was told to me when I was growing up, right? Like, you know, you don't you don't chime back or you don't bark back or chirp back if it didn't strike a nerve. And uh, we've seen these inconsistencies turn up at the wrong time. Let's talk about a guy who's been who's been red hot for Kansas City, and I wonder where the Chiefs would be without Jarek McKinnon's strong play as of late. Uh, I tweeted this out after the game, and it's his stats in the last three for Kansas City, 46 total touches for Jarek McKinnon, 316 scrimmage yards and five total touchdowns. I saw where he is tied for the lead league with running backs for five receiving touchdowns this year. And, and you touched on it. After a, after uh, Pacheco fumbles, McKinnon steps in, and he fills that role in, in not over not only the run game but the pass game as well. Yeah, it's really amazing, honestly, because this guy's a nine-year veteran. And he looks fresher than ever. I mean, the yeah. guy is explosive. He's super elusive. He is so good in the passing game, man. He's one of those guys where when he gets the ball in space, you're expecting him to, to at least get 10 to 15 yards, right? Like, you, you kind of assume that because he's so hard to bring down. And he's really powerful. I think that's one thing that people really don't give him enough credit for. 
he's not just this finesse running guy. Like he's a tough guy to bring down. So I, I'm really like how they've been kind of saving him for this moment because they did the same thing last year. They started heating him up towards the end of the season, getting him ready for the playoffs. And, you know, it's kind of crazy how we've forgotten about CEH because he should be coming off the IR pretty soon, I, I believe. So, yeah, uh, Andy Reid said he was getting close. He's yeah, getting close. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see, will he be back in the rotation at all or will he just be froze out because you still got Pacheco. Even Ronald Jones was in there a little bit. So it's going to be interesting. Pacheco, Pacheco fourth among rookies with 677 rushing yards. I, I wrote about this previously on arrowheadpride.com. I mean, this is exactly what you want from your running back by committee, running back carousel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it seems like every guy not only has a role, but – plays their role very well. Pacheco has started to smooth out some of those vision issues and concerns we had earlier in the season uh, to now be a more patient runner. I think he's averaging at least whatever 75 yards per game over this last few stretch. He's come on late. McKinnon showed his role. His leadership is extremely important as well. I saw Melvin Gordon in the locker room the other day. I mean, it's not one guy. Take a shot for every time you've heard me say that on this podcast platform about the, about the running back room. It's not one guy. But so far, it's worked, man. And and I wonder, especially in these tight games against one-win Houston and a tight game against the worst offense in the league against the Denver Broncos, where would you be without Jarek McKinnon's five touchdowns? I mean, like, these are games that were decided in overtime and, and last score. Like, you're talking about a unit that, you know, was beleaguered for a long time and everybody's talking about Clyde Edwards' despair. Uh, Jarek McKinnon has been excellent for, for, for Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, you may have another loss or two, right? I mean, the guy yeah, he pretty saved much. The day, you know, a shameless plug for me. I wrote an article about him after the game against Houston a couple of days ago. Check it out on arrowheadpride.com about how he saved the day. And he was talking after the game uh, to you great media members of uh, Kansas City and Houston down there. He was talking about how before that play happened, they were in the huddle talking how he said he's going to score on this play. Right, like Mahomes just told him, "Hey, keep keep two hands on the ball," and he's like, "I'm gonna go score." And then Juju told him, "Hey, get behind me, I got you." And what happened? He ended up getting behind his block, and he had a freeway to the end zone, untouched. So you know, it's just one of those things, man, where it's really amazing how, like, in that moment, fans and media members alike may be kind of nervous and anxious of what's gonna happen. Oh my gosh, are they gonna lose to the Houston Texans? But in that huddle, they're like, hey, we're about to score on this play. Like, there's no panic. It's all calm. And that just comes with the leadership. Guys that have been through these type of games before, way bigger games than that, obviously, in the Super Bowl, the playoffs last year. So the moment doesn't seem to be ever too big for them, despite how stressful it may be for Chiefs Kingdom. Let's move along because we we got a lot of time on us here in, in the game recap. Colin Saunders has been very active on social media right <laughs> right now, and I don't want to I don't want to talk about all his tweets, but one specifically, he highlights Kansas City's pass rush, and even I was even I tweeted out during the game. Um, you know, I felt like they could have got better push. I felt like the, I was wanting more from the pass rush. Obviously, Frank Clark comes through with one of the biggest plays of the game in overtime, that strip sack that uh, allowed um, Kansas City to take over and, and score in overtime, setting up Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I also saw where Frank Clark was PFF's highest-graded chief in that win as well. So it's funny. On one hand, and that's what Saunders' tweet kind of talks to, fans want more from Kansas City's pass rush. But on the other hand, the numbers kind of bear it out that they've been successful. And this is what Saunders tweeted, amongst many other things. He said, someone please explain to me the whole Chiefs have no pass rush narrative, please. 
It's very confusing to me in my jock football brain, so pardon me. But four for 32 sounds decent, right? I think he had a screenshot of of the Chiefs' sacks overall totals. I know we talked last pod about them being top five. I believe they're still top five as of this recording. Where are you? Status of the the pass rush uh, through headed into week 16. It's so mind-boggling, right? Because you watch them play. You don't feel like they're top five in sacks, right? Like, you don't get that sense at all. So it's really crazy to me that they're that high in sacks. I would love to know the stat on how many of those sacks came off of blitzes, though. Mm. Right? Because that could skew the numbers a little bit. We know Spags loves the blitz a lot. So I would love to see that number. But, you know, regardless, I mean, the pass rush has been pretty good. I think the biggest gripe with Chiefs fans, I think it's a little PTSD from last year, the Joe Burrow game. Mm. Where you have multiple times to bring them down. You didn't get them down. You played him again this year, and you only had one sack. And that one sack wasn't really a sack, if you remember. That was when Joe Burrow just fell down, and George Kalafis was the nearest one next to him, right before they did the the three and nine pass to T. Higgins. Yeah. And then when they play other elite quarterbacks, they seem to not be able to get sacks when they played Josh Allen this year. I don't recall them bringing him down too often, maybe once or twice. So I think the their Chiefs fans are looking big picture-wise. Yeah, that's cool. You get six sacks on Russell Wilson, but you know, you're not gonna play him in January. What about when you play Joe Burrow again? When you play Josh Allen, if you have to play a Lamar Jackson who's elusive, are you gonna be able to bring those type of quarterbacks down? So I think that's where the frustration stems from not particularly this year more about what happened last year and then you see the same guys this year you're not able to still bring those guys down so Chiefs Kingdom will not be satisfied until they see it in January the pulse of Chiefs Kingdom Mark Gunnels chiming in there think through tactical is chiming in watching with us on YouTube says I should be working right now but when you guys come on I'm locked in lol oh, appreciate you man. being locked with us Hopefully your boss doesn't catch you listening to, to Chiefs Coast to Coast. Hey, just We're put your AirPods through... in, man. You're fine. <laughs> We're talking through some of the pass rush issues, and I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if necessarily they're making a lot of meaningful sacks as well. I, and it's easy for me to say, sitting here in the comfort of my living room, podcasting with you <laughs> once a week. Uh, but as you said, you mentioned the Joe Burrow game, not really getting a meaningful sack. In Houston, one sack. Frank Clark gets it, and it's that Jeff Driscoll play where they're in the red zone, and really he should have threw it away, but instead he runs and and, and falls for a loss, and Frank Clark is the closest person there. Uh, I think Kansas City's defensive line, or and, and like you mentioned, the blitzes, they go large stretches without impacting the game, and I think that's what really frustrates fans the most is that it's not consistent. When it rains, it pours. We saw Frank Clark get a sack and they got back-to-back sacks. I forgot what game that it was. But when they're having success and, and a quarterback is, um, you know, back and, and Frank Clark and Chris Jones and those guys, Colin Saunders, are able to pin their ears back, it comes in droves. And it seems like they're streaky, just like Tommy Townsend is holding the football, just like Harrison Butker is kicking the, 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 the field goals. It feels like the pass rush has been streaky and you just wonder if it's going to bite them in the butt at the wrong time how about some good news mark you want to get some good news yeah let's get some good news man it's the holiday season it's the holiday season and the kansas city chiefs are ringing it in in traditional fashion they're afc west champions for the seventh consecutive season mark gunnels seven straight division titles for kansas city it's tied with the los angeles rams for the second longest streak of division titles in nfl history the rams did that in la from 73 to 79 but quite a long time 
since that happened, I think the number one streak is the Patriots. Uh, I would, uh, I would in imagine. They're <laughs> a run of dynasty. I think they had 12 straight. Somebody fact check me on that and get back to me. But when you think about seven straight titles, when you think about Andy Reid's time here in Kansas City, when you think about Patrick Mahomes taking the torch from Alex Smith and all the success they've had here in this run, uh, what comes to mind, man? Well, first of all, it's easy to take this for granted, man, especially, you know, you've done it so many times. You won a Super Bowl now. You've been the four straight AFC title games. The standard is much higher than just winning the AFC West title. So I could see why some Chiefs fans have become spoiled. And it's like, well, this is what we do. This is like this is like on the calendar, like how Christmas comes every year on the 25th of December. The Chiefs win, this, win the AFC West around this time of the year. So it's kind of like it's you know it's going to happen. But at the same time, you know, you got to sit back and you can't take it for granted, even though it's so easy to do because this is not normal. Like you just mentioned, this is the second longest streak in NFL history. This is not normal. So I can understand, you know, especially the frustration after having a close game against Houston. You know, Chiefs fans are so tired of it. They want to just blow somebody out for once. So I can see why the celebration may have been a little soured just because of the performance you had in that particular game. But just look at big picture, man. You know, Andy Reid's not going to be coaching here forever. It may feel like it, but Mahomes won't be the quarterback forever, even though it's probably another 10 years or so. But it won't be forever. Now, Travis Kelsey, his clock is ticking. He won't be the tight end here forever. So got to take these, man, cherish it, sit back. But obviously, the main goal is going back to the championship game, going to the Super Bowl. But in order to do that, this is the first step because you want to get the one seed. And you can't get the one seed without winning your own division. So this is the first step in the process with many more to come. Don't take it for granted. I often tweet that whenever Mahomes has a Mahomes magic S play. I think the last time I did that when he had the flip to McKinnon in Denver. Man, seven straight golden era of Chiefs football, bar none. I remember saying that to one of my friends here in KC who's a lifelong Chiefs fan after they made the Super Bowl against Tampa. I mean, I, I mean, even then going back to back with the potential of running it back, like that was before we even knew what the outcome was. When you when you take a step back, as you mentioned, grand scheme of things, take a bird's eye view, take a treetop view. Eight straight seasons of 10 plus wins or more, seven straight division titles, four straight AFC title games like. This is not this is not this is not normal in, in the words of Mark Gunnels. And I had fans tweeting at me like, oh, man, I remember when we were relieved to win games like this in Houston. You know, like I remember when we when this was like, yeah, like we, we won a big one in overtime. Now, like it almost felt like a loss. It almost felt like a loss at the end of the day. I remember wanting the Chargers to win in prime time last week because I'm like, you don't want to clinch a division on a plane flight home. You don't want to clinch a division. You know, you want to go out there. And as you said, blow a team out, play your best football, and then have the hats and the shirts and all that celebration. But it didn't work out that way. And and in a few years, you won't remember the ugly win in Houston. You'll remember how this season ended. And hopefully for Chiefs Kingdom, uh, it's in in Arizona, Mark. Yeah, man, you'll be there. So I'm speaking that into existence. You'll be there. I plan on being there. So it's going to be a party in Glendale. Can't wait. So from a Lombardi trophy to maybe some other hardware, Patrick Mahomes, the the leader in the clubhouse for this year's MVP award, and a couple reasons why. Obviously, Mahomes had a dazzling performance in Houston, only five incompletions on the day. And that paired with Jalen Hurts not only 
having the shoulder injury that he sustained, but also throwing, uh, having a kind of a sloppy first half in his game, even though they pulled through. Couple stats on Mahomes, and then I'll toss it to you with uh, with an easy question here. Mahomes leads the NFL in passing yards, four thousand four hundred ninety six passing touchdowns and thirty five, and it's just the fifth quarterback in league history with thirty five touchdown passes in four or more seasons. So the question to you, Mark Gunnels, is: Is this Patrick Mahomes' MVP to lose now with three weeks left in the regular season? Yeah, I think so, especially because Jalen Hurts is most likely not going to play this week. You know, missing a game when a race when a race is so tight as it is, and numbers mean so much, it, it's going to hurt a lot. Especially if Gardner Minshew goes out there and beats the Cowboys, which is possible. He's a very capable backup because then the narrative of you know it's the team around Jalen Hurts would really have some merit, right? If they end up winning that game in Dallas without Jalen Hurts, so that actually hurts his case. No pun intended. So I will say. Uh, you know, if the season ended, you like that, didn't you? You're so <laughs> will, corny, though. Yeah, you're I, I so will. corny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's good for TV, man. You know what it is. Uh, so anyway, I, I will say this, though, man. If the season ended today, just sit back, like you said, don't take it for granted, sit back from a bird's eye view in Aaron Ladd's voice. Look at Mahomes' stats. That's a season's worth of stats already. That's a career year right now as it stands for a lot of quarterbacks. 35 touchdowns, over 4,400 passing yards. Yeah, he's like 4,500, yeah. I mean, my gosh. And I looked it up today. He needs 983 yards in these next three games to pass Peyton Manning for the most passing yards in the season. Granted, you have the extra game, so a little unfair to Peyton and his record. But, hey, it is what it is. And he would have to average 327 over the next three games to pass Peyton Manning. It's so doable. Far, so far on the year, he's averaging 321. So it's very, very within reach. And something tells me if he's within striking distance, which he should be by week 18 against the Raiders in Vegas, I think they're going to try to push him to get that record if, if they can. So I think it'll be a little gangsmanship there against your arch rival. So I do, I do think he will break that record. He's going to have over, over 40 touchdowns. What maybe another pick or two would just say that just for just to be fair. No, it's gonna happen. Yeah, you're right. It's gonna be hard not to give him the MVP, man. It really is, especially if they finish season 14 and 3. I I don't see how he he doesn't win it if he plays pretty clean these next three games. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was trying to quickly Google the odds. It's Mahomes, Hurts, Burrow, 
and Allen, your top four for MVP right now. And one more stat from NFL on CBS. It's the Chiefs offensive ranks, of course, led by quarterback Patrick Mahomes. First in all of these statistics, points per game, yards per game, yards per play, passing yards per game, first downs per game, third down conversion percentage, and fourth down conversion percentage. I I, I think we talk a lot about MVPs. It's a narrative-driven award. I mean, like, these are awards, especially in the NBA, I, I guess you could say also in the NFL, where there is a bit of fatigue after you've already won one. You know, like, it's like, all right. It's somebody else's turn. We've heard your story. It's a great story. Congratulations. We know you're awesome. We hear these Mahomes stats every week. Now it's Jalen Hurts' turn, or now it's somebody else who's having a good year. It's the best quarterback on the team. But you know, my only pushback to that is, and I typically agree with that argument, but why did Aaron Rodgers win back-to-back years when he's already won two before that? He has four altogether in his career, and he won two in a row the last two years. So, that's why I'm confused on that narrative, because why would he win two straight years? I think ultimately, and we saw the NBA kind of come up with some new awards, right? Or like rename some of the awards or like they'll have a couple different things, right? Like there's going to have to be a shift in how we think through these awards. What does most valuable player really mean? I've seen the Ravens offense since, since Lamar Jackson has left. He seems like the most valuable player to his team because they can't do anything when he's not out there. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been great. Jalen Hurts has been amazing. Statistically, Patrick Mahomes is having a better year. And as you said, if he breaks that Peyton Manning record, it'd be hard to deny him those facts. I think if we had Patrick Mahomes on here and his Wi-Fi was working and everything was going smoothly, he would say, I don't care about the MVP award. I only really want to win a Lombardi trophy, but he wants this MVP award. I think he's going to do everything in his power to cap off this year in the right way. So what's your take on what I said about the Eagles? If Minshew goes out there and wins this week against Dallas, what does that do for Hurts and the MVP? It, it, it has nothing to do with Minshew for me. I think it just has everything to do with him not being out there. You can't miss games at this point in time if you're – it doesn't matter. It, yeah. it, either way, I think for, for Hurts, if Minshew balls out, it hurts him. If he goes out there and he doesn't play well, it hurts him as well because he's not out there. Yeah, and you're it's, missing stats, yeah. Exactly. It, it's kind of like the Carson Wentz thing too. I, I remember when he was balling out that year and then, you know, you missed the rest of the year and – you're forgotten in history, but I think Patrick Mahomes has a has a solid chance this year. Let's preview this game, man. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. On, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. The 11-3 Kansas City Chiefs hosting the 7-7 Seattle Seahawks in Week 16 of the National Football League. Noon kick on Christmas Eve, man. It's going to be frigid. I mean, this is by far going to be the coldest Chiefs game I have covered. A high of near 14 degrees. What, what, are, you, what are you wearing, man? How much, how much layers are you going to put on? This is long John season right here. This is like, yo, you got the long underwear. You got the socks, base layer socks, big layer socks. I got some old hurricane gear on my, I mean, this one is, it's going to be frigid. We'll, we'll, we'll see if the weather impacts play a little bit later in the preview, but I want to touch on injuries. We got our first look. Not our first look. I'm so used to this being on a Wednesday, man. See, that's the, that, that, everything is throwing me off. I was talking with Serto before he came on. I'm so used to us recording on a Wednesday and that being our first look. <clears throat> it's weird, but well, we got our second today, look. Today still is Wednesday, by the way, Aaron. 
Today is still Wednesday. The Chiefs practice for the second time this week. They usually practice for the first time on Wednesday. They practice for the second time today without a couple key names. Mike Dana missed his second day this week along with Colin Saunders and Jody Fortson. Fortson, it's an elbow. Saunders and Dana are dealing with illnesses. Chris Jones returned after missing Tuesday due to an illness as a full participant. And Dion Bush popped up with an illness as well. Um, I think for Seattle, Kenneth Walker III missed uh, their first practice of the week. I, I won't name a day with it. He just missed their first. So we'll monitor that one and uh, some of these other names. Anybody on that list worry you, makes you nervous about missing time? I know it's early in the week and anything can change, but um, any of those names on either side of the team kind of kind of stick out to you? Uh, the biggest stick out to me is Tyler Lockett being out. I mean, I yeah. think that's a huge loss considering – I mean, the guy, I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the league. He doesn't get as much credit as he deserves – Shout out to K-State, by the way. He's a K-State guy. Uh, would have been a nice homecoming for him to play an arrowhead. But, yeah, because now you can really just focus in on DK, DK Metcalf, right? You can kind of shift your coverage towards him. I don't think you really are concerned about their wide receiver three or four. But I say that, and then the Houston Texans were missing their guys, and they still were able to move the ball at times as well. So uh, I can't really say that with full confidence right now. But, I mean, a lot of that happened was with penalties, like I mentioned before. You know, yeah. if you play clean football, I don't think the Texans are moving the ball as much. Uh, and then obviously you had that turnover that led to a free seven points. So you take away those two drives. I mean, you're looking at a different game. But, you know, obviously I think Seattle's a team that's fighting for the playoff lives. As you mentioned, they're seven and seven. They're right in the hunt right now in the NFC. This is a must win for them. They probably have to win out, to be quite frank with you, considering their uh, unfavorable tiebreaker situation. So uh, they're going to be playing for their lives on this one. That's going to be a scary game when you're playing a team that has uh, everything to lose, right? You know, they're a team that's young. They weren't expected to be in this position, so they've already exceeded expectations on the year. So expect some trickery, some uh, fake punts, some uh, reverses, a flea flicker, uh, maybe an offside kick. I mean, the Chiefs need need to be prepared for everything in this game. So it's definitely a scary game. First home game since November 27th. That was the game against the Rams. Um, and as you mentioned, the Chiefs need to be prepared for everything in this one against Seattle, especially considering they really haven't played their best ball the last two times out. A guy who is playing some of his best ball right now is Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, who has career highs in passing yards, passing touchdowns this season. He leads the NFL in completion percentage and is second in passer ratings in passer rating this season, nine games with two or more touchdowns and a hundred plus rating that leads the NFL as well. It's caught the eye of Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who says Gino is a baller. Yeah. I mean, he, he get, first off, I mean, every throw he throws is like a perfect spiral. And I mean, I know that that gets taken for granted in this league, but I mean, he throws a perfect spiral on every throw. Um, he's getting those receivers going. They have two great receivers um, with, with a lot of other guys too, that have a lot of speed. Um, and so he's able to get those receivers going and move and take the shots from there, but take underneath. Um, and they, they've had a lot of young guys step up. And so uh, Gino's uh, done a great job of taking advantage of what's there. Um, and that's why he's had such a great season. I think it's cool, man. Gino's had this resurgence in his career. Shows you, I mean, maybe if it didn't work out at one spot, keep putting the work in, keep putting the time in, and, and you never know when it's going to be recognized. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a little quick backstory on him. During his draft period, I know you weren't around back then, 
uh, a lot of Chiefs fans, myself included, wanted us to draft him. You have Geno Smith tweets and takes that I can go back and find. Oh, him and I can't yeah. confirm or I cannot deny, but uh, <laughs> you can you can search on the search bar and find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely wanted Geno out of West Virginia. I mean, the guy was a hot prospect. Uh, he was uh, one of those guys that you just liked. He threw the ball well. He could move a little bit. He had electrifying offense. So. Yeah, I wasn't alone on, on that, but uh, you know, I'm glad the Chiefs didn't go that direction because, you know, everything would have been different now, right? You probably wouldn't have had Patrick Mahomes. It would have been a trickle effect. So, but happy for him, man. Good on for him to keep chugging, keep grinding, because he's been written off obviously over the years. He's in his 30s now, and you don't really see this. It's very rare you see a guy have a resurgence in his 30s, right? So, shouts out to him because before the year, I believe they're over under on wins was four and a half in Vegas. So if you took the over on that, you cashed in a few weeks ago. So shouts out to you, man, because nobody saw the Seahawks winning this many games already. I went into Twitter very quickly and typed in Mark A. Gunnels and Geno Smith. And I have a tweet from March 6th, 2015. Very intrigued to see what Geno Smith does with Brandon Marshall. I still believe in Geno's ability as a quarterback. So there you were from day one. You were you were a Geno Smith guy. I'm a day one guy. I, it paid off. It finally paid off. It's crazy that you traded in your Geno Smith jersey for Mahomes. The day Mahomes got drafted, you, you did like that Andy from Toy Story meme. You dropped Geno and, and, and you took Mahomes. <laughs> I'm mad how, how quickly you found that. <laughs> yeah. Nah, Geno's been balling, man. And I don't put anything past how Kansas City has played down to opponents in the past. I think Seattle's better than their 7-7 seven and seven record. I think this is a game, especially considering the weather, and we can talk into that as well. I mean, it's going to be hard to tackle, man. I mean, as cliche as that sounds, and I know people call us the cliche cast in the past, but all right, you run out there and try and tackle Pacheco when it's late in the third and fourth quarter and it's 10 degrees outside and you can't feel your fingers. You can sit on that heated be- that heated bench all you want and you can have them throw the hot hands or whatever, but nothing prepares you like being in the actual moment. And I think while you say it's a must win for – while you say it's a must win for Seattle – Every game is a must win for Kansas City from here on out because they're not they're not playing their best ball and, and they're playing to not only beat their opponents, but to prove to themselves that they can start playing playoff type football uh, on a moment's notice. That flip the switch stuff and that flip the st- switch mentality that's sold, man, because once you get to the playoffs, especially if you're no longer in the comforts and confines of Arrowhead Stadium, all it takes is one snap. All it takes is one one missed tackle to, to send you home. Yeah, and then not only that, I mean, but the obvious, right? You want the one seed. You know, yeah. I mean, you can say all day how it's not that important. Uh, you don't really care about it. But playing two games at home versus having to play three games, your probability of going to the Super Bowl are a lot higher. So yeah. you definitely want the one seed. I think it comes down to week 17 if the Chiefs continue to win as far as Buffalo losing. Because Buffalo plays at Cincinnati week 17, Monday night football. I think that's the only real losable game on their schedule. So that's a game you're going to have to circle if you're a Chiefs fan, but only if you take care of business. It won't matter if you lose against Seattle this week because Buffalo's not going to lose two more times. They're going to lose maybe one more time at most. So that means you have to win out. Let's go to Vegas, man. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by at least Let's go to Vegas with Mark. 
I'm happy today. I danced this time. What a difference a week makes, man. What a- <laughs> yeah. Around this time last week, he was down in the dumps. Man was moping. He was he was all sad. That music sounds different when you win, man. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> it's a little different. Mark went two and one last week, and I'll give you his plays right here. He took over over total yards on three hundred and a half on Mahomes. Mahomes went crazy, three hundred sixty nine total yards. That's a winner. Over on Pacheco rushing yards, which seventy and a half. I would be surprised if they ever gave you that number again for Pacheco. That was crazy low. He goes for eighty six rushing yards on the day, so that's another winner. And who could have predicted? Oh, you had the first half spread. Was that right? No, I missed it. You missed it. I I read that wrong. I, I I had it as the full spread, but it was only the first half spread. I missed it, it anyway, so it was. I think they're only up by three and a half. I believe it definitely wasn't seven or yeah. So so two and one, not a bad week. You're back at five hundred, nineteen and nineteen on the year, and ready to get back on the right side of five hundred and finish the season on the right foot. Mark, what you got for us? Yeah, so man, I got a clean slate. Back at five hundred. The season starts over. You know how they say it's zero zero at half. Zero zero. <laughs> zero 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 again. Down for the, the final stretch here. But I have three more plays for you this week. They gave me the same number on Mahomes again. I'm gonna take it. Total yards over 300 and a half. I'm gonna take that every single time, especially considering, as I mentioned earlier, he's chasing Peyton Manning for the record for most passing yards in the season. I think he knows that. I know he won't say it to you guys in the media, but trust me. He keeps mental notes of all these things. He's on you Twitter. guys in the media. You're you're in the media, Mark. When I say you guys, I mean you guys that are there in person in the locker room can <laughs> yes. smell their socks and stuff. You guys, oh, hardworking journalists. <laughs> so I'm taking the over there. I'm taking the over on Kelsey's receiving yards. He and a half. He had a, a hundred last week. I think he's kind of getting back to his normal self. It's kind of a little weird the past few weeks before. I don't know what was going on. The fumble didn't really seem like himself in Denver. I think he's kind of getting back to the old Kelsey. But I like the 80 and a half number, especially back at home. First time back at home in about a month. So I think they put on a show for the hometown fans. And my third play, I'm going on the opposite end this time on the spread. Give me Seattle plus 10. Take a Seattle with the points. And watch, the one time I go against the Chiefs, they're going to freaking cover the spread this time. Watch. But I'm taking Seattle plus 10. The Chiefs just do not cover these double-digit spreads. I can't stop being naive to the fact. For some reason, I don't know what it is. So let me try it out this time and see how it goes. The Chiefs win the game, but I don't think they win by double digits. So those are my three plays. Over on Mahomes, total yards, not just passing, total, 300 and a half. Over on Kelsey's receiving yards, 80 and a half, and Seattle plus 10. Look at you getting out of your comfort zone. He getting a, he said, I can't deny it anymore. The Chiefs play down to their opponents. I can't, I can't deny the facts. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, man. That's funny. He said, if I'm going to be sad, at least I'm going to be rich. While I'm sad. <laughs> at least I'm going to be rich. Hey, you, you see, how, you see how, where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> Mark, good. I feel confident about those picks. I appreciate you, my man. A couple more comments here in the sections. Tony Graham on Facebook says, go Chiefs, went out. We think they need to do that to get the one seed. Think through tactical again, says the best ability, best ability is availability. I think that was in regards to the Jalen Hurts conversation and him looking like he's going to miss the regular rest of the regular season 
and be back with the playoffs. Um, man, anything else? I know we had some choppiness earlier, but I'm feeling good now. I'm back in my bag, you know? Yeah, the last 40 minutes was flawless. So I don't I don't know what happened, what you did over there, but hey, we're good to go, man. I can't wait. In We don't have to worry about this. Next week, it's live. So it's, yeah. only, it, it's one. It's only one camera, one mic, one microphone. Yes, Two sir. I'll be in your house. I'll be there next week. Save room for me. We're going to have to put something in the air then. <laughs> <laughs> Coast to coast is out. (laughs) He said we out. (laughs) What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.